Super Talk Mississippi media production. Have you been seriously injured? Mama Justice is here for you. Our medical team partners with top-notch doctors, surgeons, therapists, and urologists, ensuring a comprehensive recovery journey. If you've been injured, call Mama Justice today. We're here for you. It's a great time to live in Mississippi, and we're talking about it. Welcome to the Ricky Matthews Show on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome to the Ricky Matthews Show, the show that celebrates the people who are making this place such a great place to live, work, and play. Listen, um, in the second half of the show, we actually had an opportunity to catch up with Captain Sonny Schindler uh, a couple of days ago. He was off the water uh, because of the wind. So we'll be playing that in the second half of the show. But it's a, you know, it's a good catch up with Sonny about how things are going. Well, they've had a really good season for the most part. They're dealing with a lot of heat, as you can imagine, being on the water every single day and having clients out on the water. But just have a terrific conversation with Sonny and um, it's been a, just a really dynamic week. I just want to tell you thank you very much for the feedback uh, both on social media engagement the sharing of the shows, the watching of the videos, uh, you know, interacting with the show on YouTube or whether it be on the on the podcast platform um, I really appreciate the feedback. I get, a, I get a lot of notes from people and I get some great suggestions incidentally for, for show guests that I don't think of or our producer Cami Martin hasn't thought of. So uh, I appreciate the suggestions. If you have a, a thought of someone who can join me here on the Ricky Matthews show, please, please uh, bring them to me. And since the show rolled out in Jackson and in the Mississippi Delta on Thursdays, we'll be doing more days and more markets as we go forward. If the, if the person's not from here, that's fine. You know, I'd love to know about them and uh, I'll tell their story in the way we, we try to uniquely do here on this show. So now let's shift gears. It's Friday on, uh, on, uh, the Ricky Matthews Show, and I'm pleased to have my friend Jeff Duncan from NOLA.com and the Times Picayune. How you doing, Jeff? Doing great, Ricky. Back from the West Coast, and uh, I've adjusted my body clock and also adjusted <laughs> to the uh, hellish uh, temperatures that we have here. Well, look, man, I saw some of your. Of course, we had the opportunity to, to uh, chat with you from from California last week, and you guys, you know, listen, it was an enviable place where you stayed, and it's a nice visit. I saw some of your. I, I'm assuming you did some early morning walks, uh, you, the beautiful pictures that you posted. But it's nice to take a break. It's nice to go to a place like that and and uh, it, it feels something different isn't it yeah look I think the, the team felt the same way players and coaches just a break from the monotony the grind uh, so and then you work against a different team you know you're in a different environment and uh, look the weather was spectacular as it always is in Southern California they got a lot of good work in I think those two joint practices against the Chargers were very instructive for the Saints coaches and the players and we got we, we learned a lot about the Saints last week in out in LA. And you know, you guys have written a lot about it, and we're going to come to that quick. But before we shift off into the Saints, um, I want to I want to ask you how is it going with your book about Steve Gleason? You and I've you and I've talked about it a lot over the past year, actually, and some of the unique challenges you've had, Steve, having ALS and communication issues and and whatever. You've hung in there with the publisher. Things have slowly but surely kind of come together. You're 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 producing a compelling book about life what's the latest yeah look we're getting to the uh, finish line i'd say we're in the the final two minutes of the fourth quarter if you will if i use that analogy uh, our deadline to deliver is uh, september 1 and i think we're going to hit it we're 
cranking on it today, as, as a matter of fact, and all weekend uh, trying to get these final couple chapters uh, to the publisher. So we're really excited about uh, finally, you know, kind of getting to the finish line, but also just the product itself, the feedback we're getting from the publisher has been very positive. And we're excited to get this book in the hands of, of people because I think it, and you and I have talked about it, it's just going to be, a, I think, uh, the kind of book that you can get a lot out of from a life lesson standpoint. It's more than just a, a football or ALS book. It's really about you know how to live your life and how to get the best out of life no matter what circumstances are presented to you. It's a book about it's a book about determination, dogged determination, and as as you've said many many times in my private conversations with you and here on the air, that you you probably changed more in the writing of this book than any single other thing you've ever done. Yeah, no, there's no question. It's been an extraordinary experience. You know, I knew Steve and Michelle pretty well. I mean, I've known them throughout their tenure here in, in New Orleans. Steve arrived with the Saints in 2000, the same year I started covering the Saints. So our career paths here have kind of paralleled and dovetailed. And uh, But I haven't gotten to know him the way I certainly have in, in this book project. And seeing his determination, his will, uh, the same traits that allowed him to forge an NFL career of eight years and become a team captain and the all-time leading pump blocker in Saints history. Those same traits and characteristics he's applied to this book process, and it's it's been amazing to watch, and uh, I, I'm even more impressed with him now than I was before we started, and that's that's saying a lot because he's he's the most extraordinary person I've I've met in my career, no no question. You know, and one other one other final thought. What's been interesting to watch has been how he had a vision for this, and you know ALS. You know ALS is such a ravaging disease, and I mean clearly you see it in his life, but his mind is clear, and and he has from the get go wanted to have tremendous control over where this book went and um you got to admire him for having a vision that he wanted to wanted to stick to and uh you know the collaboration ultimately that that came out of that with you and the publisher will 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 result in a book that is tremendously better than if it would have been ghost written oh no yeah no question i mean steve's a great writer himself uh, and, and he obviously uh, heavily involved in writing the book. You know, we're all collaborating as a team. But, uh, you know, this is no question about it. His vision and his legacy. And that's what he's looked at this as a leg legacy project about his life. And he knows it's going to reach and probably inspire a lot of people, uh, not just Saints fans, but uh, the ALS community. I think the care caregiver community, there's all kinds of people that will learn from this book because it's as much about Michelle and the family and the care team that takes care of Steve as it is about Steve. So there's just so many, so much in here that's inspiring. And uh, I don't know how they do it. I'll be honest with you. I mean, I see them every day and I'm still blown away uh, at his determination and his, his outlook on life. I mean, this is a guy that's been dealt a bad hand, and yet he still continues to be grateful and, uh, you know, inspiring every day for his family. He's very much the patriarch of that family. And Michelle compares him to the, the mighty oak tree. You know, he's this constant presence, strong, rooted, that everybody kind of finds shelter under. And that's kind of the, the theme we're using in the book. 
What a what a beautiful analogy, man. What a, what a solid analogy that you would never expect someone with ALS to be described as. I mean, just think think about it. And because ALS, I mean, I've had very very close friends who have had it. One in particular, very significant leader here in coastal Mississippi, and man, it's it's just it's just hard not to give up. I mean, you know, whether it be the the medical issues that associate with it, or may just the the wear and tear on the people around you and your family, it, the, the the psychological impact in in a lot of ways takes people down. Yeah, and in this case, it hasn't. Well, that that's your, you make a very good point. It's as much a mental challenge as it is a physical challenge. I mean, obviously, you lose your physical capabilities, your motor skills uh, decline and to the point where you can't really walk, talk, take care of yourself. Uh, so that's a challenge. But then there's also just the mental burden of knowing it because it doesn't affect your cognitive thinking. You understand what's happening. So you know you're a burden to everyone and, and all your loved ones and your care team. And that is a difficult thing to overcome. And that really, if you had to describe the essence of the book, that is it. I mean, how do you keep going? Uh, this is coming up now on 13 years. Steve's had this disease. Most people live two to three, maybe four years with it. Uh, how do you keep going? And um, there's a lot of a lot of great life lessons uh, in that answer. Listen, uh, there were... There were there were highs and lows, and the team at NOLA.com talked about them all. But as it relates to uh, Derek Carr, the visit out west, uh, the headlines are very positive as it relates to Derek Carr, aren't they? Yeah, he looks great. I mean, I, I'll be surprised. They haven't announced yet who's going to play in the game Sunday. I'll be surprised if he plays. If he does, I think it'll be very brief because he looks ready to go. <laughs> he looks in control, control of this offense. When he's out there, Ricky, in practice, the offense runs totally different than when Jameis Winston or Jay Kaner get in there. It's it's a well-oiled machine. He's in total control. And I think that, if I were to say the two most encouraging things for Saints fans, it's Derek Carr and his command of the offense, his comfort in it, and then the way Dennis Allen has kind of come off that disappointing year. He looks like a different coach right now. He's much more confident, much more comfortable, I think those two things, look, that's those are the two faces of the franchise, the head coach and the quarterback, and both those look really good right now, very encouraging. Hey, listen, speaking of uh, Jameis Winston and Hayner, and just speaking specifically to the, to the last preseason game, Jameis, man, I mean, his physical skills are incredible, and when he show, when he throws the ball, it's, it, when he's got time and he throws the ball, he's, he's one of the best at throwing. But the indecision just drives you crazy. I mean, just he just doesn't know what to do with the ball once he gets past maybe the first level, second layer. Then he starts to collapse. Am I do, am I seeing that? Well, I tell you what. Let's get. We're at the end of the segment. When we get on the other side, let's talk about that. And then Hayner actually merging in the game as someone who's got a crispness about him that is you can't help but be you know drawn to that. We'll see more with Jeff Duncan when we come back.
passion and love for Mississippi is why he's here. This is the Ricky Matthews Show on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back to the Ricky Matthews Show. It's Friday on the, on this show, and we get the opportunity to spend time with my friend Jeff Duncan from NOLA.com and the Times Union. And the team there is incredible. If you haven't signed up for their Saints newsletter, you probably should. I think you will not regret it because they are they are terrific at covering this team. But you heard what I said when we went to the went to the break. When you see the sharpness. The decision making, the control over the offense, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, of Derek Carr. It reminds us what we were missing in Drew Brees. You wrote the book on Drew Brees. You know the PhD you got to have to run this offense. Uh, you've known this all along. It reminds you how Jameis Winston could, was never really going to be like Drew Brees or like Derek Carr because as we saw in this last game his physical skills are incredible but you get to the progressions and it doesn't unfold quickly for him whereas Hayner you could there's signs that Hayner can process the defense rapidly so um you know what do you, what do you have to say about that well look that's the Jameis Winston package right i mean we saw it all the last 2 weeks of preseason where he'll make an incredible pass like the, the wheel route down the sideline to uh, Kendra Miller, the rookie who made the great catch, uh, the, the pass he made to A.T. Perry in the opener against the Chiefs. Uh, that's the tantalizing aspect. You see the talent. The arm talent is unquestioned. I mean, he can make every throw on the route tree, and every once in a while, routinely, he'll make the best pass in practice almost every day. But then he'll have these long stretches of uh, you know poor execution, of almost chaos, right? I mean, you just don't know what you're going to get down to down. And we saw that last week against the Chargers where he made a couple incredible plays. He made a one throw that I'm, I'm not sure he should have even made that, that resulted in a 40-yard gain uh, that just somehow dropped in the arms of Shaq Davis, the undrafted free agent. So yeah, that's what you get with Jameis Winston. I think what you get with Derek Carr is more stability. You're just going to have a little better – uh, understanding of what you're getting out of that position down to down. And that's been Jameis Winston's challenge throughout his career is the inconsistency is just too much at, at the most important position on the team. And can contrast that with, with, with what was a better game for Hayner and what seemed to be more control over the progressions, even compared to uh, Jameis, who's been in the league as long as he has. Yeah, well, I think what you saw in Hayner is kind of what the stuff we've all been talking about when no one saw it in that opener and everybody was going, wait, this is the guy everybody's everybody's been talking about. He looked, he looked like a rookie against the Chiefs in that opener, really struggled. And uh, he found his footing against the Chargers. I mean, the very first play, he bought time with his legs. You could see his mobility. He keeps his eyes downfield and found John Trey Kirkland for, I think, a 53-yard gain on the first plays in the game. Uh, he's a, he's tough. I mean, he took a really big hit that he had to leave the game where he got his bell rung, came back in. And I think his command of the offense, his understanding of the offense, I mean, this guy is just a, a gamer. I mean, he's a quarterback to the core. Now, he's undersized, and, and that's what he's always going to have to battle. But I think Jeff Ireland said it best, and when I talked to him after the draft, he said, look – he doesn't have prototypical size, but he's got everything else that we look for in the position. And he said if the, the number one pick in the draft was Bryce Young, he doesn't have prototypical size either. He was the number one pick, and we looked at it like if you took Jake Hayner 
and stuck him in the Alabama offense, we think it would have operated just as well as it did with Bryce Young. So it's, it's a lot to, lot to like in Jay Kaner. He's, he, and the other thing I like about him, it's not too big for him. I mean, this guy's confident, and I think that is infectious with his teammates. They believe in him, even though he's much younger than a lot of these guys that he's in the huddle with. It's infectious to me as a fan. Um, and what, Just one other quick point. Uh, how I would describe what I see in Jameis compared to Derek Carr. First of all, Derek Carr, he's processing the game so rapidly. He's getting getting rid of the ball so rapidly. So he, he knows how much time he's got, and he is, he is operating on that microsecond clock. Jameis, on the other hand, gets to the second progression, and now he's, he's freaking out. He's running back, and it's almost Brett Favre-like in that he's now he's sandlock-based football now. He's, he's now out of the pocket, and he's, trying, he's swinging his arm around trying to direct his, the receivers to go here so he can throw the ball to him. It's just chaos. That's the chaos you're talking about. And, it, God, it's hard to watch after you've watched Derek Carr mm. do what he does so well. So that's enough about that. And, you know, coming out of last week, I know we got we had some a, a promising uh, defensive player that had a serious knee injury, and we've got other aspects that, that we may be concerned about. But what's your overall assessment of the injury situation going into the final preseason game? Well, the only player that I think is a consequence that, uh, you know, is not going to play. Well, I shouldn't say that. I mean, injury-wise, Marshawn Lattimore, you know, hurt his knee. Uh, he looked fine yesterday. We saw him. He came out and did calisthenics. And I think they're just going to put him on ice until the opener against the Titans. So I think they're in good shape overall roster-wise. Uh, all their key players, at least uh, in the front, probably two deep depth chart, are, are healthy. Uh, you know, we're seeing Andres Pete get back. Uh, he's right now, Ricky, running with the second team. I, I don't think he's going to start. I, I mean, I'll be surprised if he ends up starting the season. I think the, the starting left guard is going to be James Hurst. And, uh, you know, I think if I were to say what health-wise, I think the team's in great shape. I think my main concerns coming out of the Chargers camp, and I wrote about this, were, you know, the left side of your offensive line, you've got a rookie, basically a rookie, Trevor Penning, who, who missed all last season because of injury at the most important position on the line. And next to him is James Hurst, who ideally you'd want to be your, your sixth lineman, your swing backup. That's an area of concern. Uh, Penning really struggled, as I thought he would, against two of the best pass rushers in the league, Khalil Mack and uh, Joey Bosa. Uh, it was ugly at times. I mean, it was it, they were having to, you know, he wasn't in Derek Carr couldn't even get to the top of his drop back, and and he was getting sacked. So that's an area of concern. And then I haven't seen the pass rush. I'm kind of a little bit on an island on this, so I want to make it clear. Uh, my colleagues think I'm overreacting to this, but I just haven't seen the pass rush. I know they have a lot of sacks right now in the preseason, but most of those are coming by the third unit and backup mop-up duty. I haven't seen enough from Carl Granderson and in the starting unit, even Brian Brzee, uh, who they brought in, who's probably going to start. I haven't seen enough of the pass rush. Those are the two areas I'm most concerned with. Everything else I'm very encouraged with right now, especially the way this passing attack looks. Hey, the, speaking of the passing attack, the biggest, the biggest debate that you see, if you go to Twitter or, or X, or you go to you guys or whatever, you name the site, the big conversation relative to the Saints is they got a lot of talent at wide receiver. Who 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 stays and who goes? Yeah, I think the debate is you keep five or six, and the Saints have over the years kept one of either five or six. And I think the debate right now is going to be, I think clearly the top three are Chris Olave, 
uh, Rashid Shaheed, Michael Thomas. And then I think Keith Kirkwood is definitely the fourth receiver. Uh, he didn't even play in the game against the Chargers. That's a very good sign for his future. And then I still think they like Traquan Smith, even though he's continued to be hurt. Uh, at some point, that might catch up to him, but I think they feel comfortable with him as the fifth receiver. And then they've got two young prospects that they like a lot, A.T. Perry, I think their sixth-round draft pick, and uh, Shaq Davis, who's an undrafted free agent. Very similar guys, both real tall, rangy guys, 6'6". Six, six. They almost look like basketball players out there, and they've made big plays. Uh, but, you know, in the end, I think what it, the decision comes down to, not necessarily, uh, you know, whether you keep A.T. Perry or, or Shaq Davis, it comes down to are those one of those two guys, are they better than your sixth linebacker or your ninth offensive lineman? Are you getting more on game days out of your sixth linebacker who can also play special teams and be a tackler on special teams or your backup lineman? I mean, those are the, that's how it works when you're making the final 53. You're not necessarily uh, you know, just making a decision in a vacuum on a position. You're comparing the end of the roster. It's really like a decision of the three or four players – at the end of the roster and how much you can get out of them in a game week to week. And so most of that comes down to can they contribute on special teams? How much do you know, like, let's take A.T. A. Perry, who's had a great preseason and in camp, all the reports are really good about him as well. Um, how much does the notion of, okay, we're, we're going to keep him, we're going to put him on the, on the practice squad. The, w w how much do we worry about the process of putting him on the practice squad since he is this tall, lanky, you know, good receiver that someone's just going to mop him up? Yeah, that, well, that's always the concern because you have to release them and they're on waivers for a period, I think a 24-hour period, and other teams can make a claim on him. And, uh, you know, that's always the concern. I mean, the greatest example of that was a positive for the Saints. Back in 2017, Mike McCarthy did not want to expose Taysom Hill to the waiver wire. His general manager, Ted Thompson, elected to do it. The Saints claimed him, and the rest is history. So you lose a very talented player because of that. But I, I will say this. It, we do this every year, Ricky. It's one of the things that I laugh about with my colleagues. We all tend to look at you know, myopically at the roster and overvalue some of these guys. I'm not saying A.T. Perry is not a good young prospect or Shaq Davis. But a lot, there's a lot of receivers in this league. I think sometimes we think, oh my gosh, this guy's great. He's going to get mopped up. There's yeah. a lot of a lot of AT Perry's in the league, I guess. Man, we're out of time, but I can't wait to see Taysom Hill unleashed. I can't wait to see Shahid come back in and do what he's doing, and Alave do what he does, and you know, using getting folks out into the out into the flats more often, and all the things that they've been working on. It, it's going to be an interesting year man i feel i feel good about it going into the season i know you do too but you have always you have your journalist hat on you want to you want to have your reservations and i understand why but listen it's been great to see you i'll see you next week my friend all right thanks for having me ricky you bet have a great weekend and we will see you on monday Talk Mississippi Media Production.